Uh, I thought you were going to say the clinks of the, the clinker daggers, listening to the clinking of the... The clinking of clinker daggers, <laughs> yes. We're at clinker daggers here in Spokane, Washington. This is Elliot Stockstead with Lutheran Community Services Northwest. And uh, with me is Lad Yurnaby. And I have Christy McKee, who works with Lutheran Community Services Northwest in our Spokane office. And we're just having a conversation here around the table. We thought this would be an appropriate place to talk a little bit about life and legacy. We're interviewing Lad here uh, to hear a little bit more about his story. So, Lad, first of all, thanks for doing this. Well, thank you. Thank you for meeting for be. lunch. Yeah. Glad to be here. Thanks for lunch. So, to start, Lad, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your story, how you mm -hmm. grew up and okay. your family. Sure. I grew up in Kalispell, Montana. Um, I'm an only child. Um, I had older parents and and um, they were, mom was a teacher and dad had a jewelry store. Dad got elected mayor and mom came to run the jewelry store. And so they were busy folks with careers and um, it was a wonderful place to grow up. I learned to love to hike in that area with Glacier Park an hour away. And um, my mother, painted her family were into all kinds of arts forever so I was always encouraged in artistic stuff the woman who lived across the street I often went to her home after school because mom was at, at the store busy where would this kid go so I went to June's June happened to teach oil painting in her home had an art studio. So again, I got encouraged in art. Um, my art has always been connecting my love of the outdoors and hiking, etc., with with what I can draw and paint. So um, I went to community college and then off to PLU, got a biology degree and went to UW to forestry grad school and discovered that I was not feeling at peace doing what I was doing and kept having what I thought was a crazy idea that I would go to seminary and become a pastor. Crazy because I thought I was no good at public speaking. How in the world could I ever do that job? <laughs> but I came to decide that I needed to talk to people about this crazy idea and other people didn't think it was as crazy as I did <laughs> and finally I sat down with my pastor back home at his kitchen table and he said if you can be at peace doing what you're doing go do it if you can't be then we'll work on applying to seminary and I said I'm sitting at your table because I can't be at peace doing what I was doing. So then off to Luther Seminary. And my first congregation was out in a small town in North Dakota, 80 miles from the nearest town, over 2,000 people. Um, good place to begin ministry. Um, not a lot of resources. So... Um, I wanted to come back toward the Northwest and 
managed to be called the Central Lutheran in Spokane, that was a great place to be, but wasn't very long because the senior pastor left. And so I needed a call and I got called to Emmanuel and Chini. And um, nice university community, host campus ministry. And that's also where I was introduced to Lutheran Community Services. Okay, yeah. The, the service group Diakonia has been meeting in Chini for I don't know how many years. And they had a meeting and they said, Pastor Ladd, come join us for lunch. And they said, the, the speaker today is Dennis McGoy and you need to meet Dennis. So I got to meet Dennis. Um, visiting, found out that our families had known each other since about 1902 really? in North Dakota. Oh, wow. Where my, my grandparents bought their supplies when they were homesteading from Dennis's grandpa who had a store, mm. um, country store at the time. So, um, And then I got to listen to Dennis talk about what the agency did and was interested, wanting to be supportive from that very first time. So um, I learned we had an employee in the congregation too, and she talked about what the what the agency was up to and um, just wanted to be supportive from that time out. So um, I believe that the church is not just in the community for its own sake, but also for the sake of the community around it. Yeah. Um, it's a calling, not just an option, but a calling to make a difference. So, yeah. Um, and that's a Lutheran Community Services does what no congregation could simply do on its own. Um, very proud of of the kind of agency and and the the high standards. Um, wanting to do, always do things well and genuinely caring about people and um, just in, encouraged from from the beginning on out. I was in Chini for nine years, so that was nine more years to get to know, uh, get to know the agency. Yeah. Um, then I went to Yakima for nine years, which is kind of outside the scope of the agency's service area. Um, so then I I came back after those nine years to Spokane again and reconnected with Dennis and um, just went from there. Dennis one day said, I'll take you out to lunch. So we sat down and he was filling me more in about what the agency was doing and, yeah. and said, why don't you come to the, come to the luncheon in the fall? So he reeled me in. He did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. So we even had um, you uh, working with us for a little bit. Yeah, relationships yeah, four, with four years of, yeah. of working with church relations. So, yeah. Yeah. And what was that like? Cause I mean, you've talked to me about 
how do you like to connect people yeah. and places and yeah. good work? It, it was really a privilege and it was a joy to go out to congregations and many congregations just don't know that maybe some leaders, the pastor may know what the agency is up to, but a lot of the people don't. And I got to say, this is your agency and this is what you are doing through your partnership with the agency and see the excitement on people's faces and um, see the appreciation that people have for being able to say this is our agency that's making a big difference in the lives of people, um, sharing stories. Um, probably my single favorite story that I shared with people was, and we, you know, we we don't give names and tell tell details about about folks, but this was a a young man who came to Spokane with our unaccompanied refugee minor program, and we had group homes for older teens, but then we also had foster homes for kids. And our staff thought, well, he's an older teen. He will just want to go into a group home where he can be with kids his age and he's not going to want to be supervised by parents, etc. And so when they told him that, he said, but I want a mom and a dad. And I think everybody can connect with that. This young man who had lost his family just wanted a family again. Yeah. And obviously our staff said, well, we'll get you a mom and a dad. And they did. Um, I've told that to many congregations. And to, to understand that you get to be part of helping this young man who lost everything, lost his family, to have a family to call his own. Um, that's a privilege to be able to say, you know, you get to be part of this, you get to do this. So um, I appreciate all kinds of work that we do, but that was just one little story that I told um, that connects people to, to, the, to the kind of quality of work we do, making a big difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. so, that's a good story. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Uh, thanks. Uh, and, and you still, I, you know, lad, I appreciate how you have talked about calling and how you're still living that out. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to. You're retired. Right, right. You've had this wonderful legacy and career, and yet you still get called to preach and to mm -hmm. do different things and yeah. you say yes to that, I'm sure, often. Yeah. So yeah, I do. what's it, you know, what is it like now that you're at this stage of life mm -hmm. and kind of reflecting on some things? And, um, and then, you know, I have a follow-up question to that about mm -hmm. just sort of legacy, I guess, in general. But sure. Yeah, I, I still feel, though I'm done with my career, so to speak, that I'm called to do things. And um, I will always speak up for the agency. I don't have to be on the payroll to tell people, you know, this is our agency. It's a wonderful, a wonderful team of people doing absolutely crucial work 
and I'll be glad to do that. Personally, I want to continue to support it financially, um, but I'll just I'll I'll speak up for the agency whenever and wherever I can too. Um, in my retirement, I have joined a small congregation that um, reaches out to the neighborhood. Um, we have about 35 people there on Sunday morning. We can't afford a full-time pastor, so we have interns coming, pastoral interns, and they're with us for a year, and then they go on off to, to finish and be ordained and receive a call. Um, we do a monthly community breakfast. We feed anybody who comes through the doors, and I just made eggs for stirred the, the scrambled eggs for a, a community breakfast recently and got to scoop them onto the plates for folks, quite a few of whom were homeless who came through and and got a hot breakfast. Yeah. Um, I'm glad to be part of St. Peter because that church really understands we're there to bless other people. Um, I haven't rolled up my sleeves yet for the food bank, but we have a food bank that we operate with two Roman Catholic parishes and a couple of Lutheran churches also pitch in to help us and feed often three or four hundred people coming in each month for um, that is three or four hundred people eat the food. They don't all walk through the door. Somebody from their household comes through. Yeah. And um, so uh, that's still, you know, my calling now, I think, is not to be a pastor, but to be a, an encourager of the interns and just a part of the congregation. Um, my calling may not be to do church relations work for the agency anymore, but it's still my calling to support and encourage uh, encourage the, the work of the agency, the people who are making a difference. So, um, I love that. And, uh, you know, this is its such a good opportunity to be able to, to thank someone like yourself that's been so generous with time and your resources. Uh, we're doing this series, this Legacy Stories series, partly just because I'm finding that people have an interest in talking even a little bit more about planned giving and how not only they're giving of their time and their and their treasure during their life, but trying to leave something also when they pass away later in life. And so we have a number of people that are part of our circle of hope, which is our planned giving mm -hmm. legacy society, including yourself, mm -hmm. which first of all, we're grateful for. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, in Christy, you could, if you want to say anything to this too, but I just was curious, you know, what, what made you decide you wanted to do that? Mm -hmm. um, and is there anything that you would think you'd like to share that, um, about that experience or for others that would be maybe considering that? Sure. For years, I just wanted to give to things that are happening right now, just support things that I can see, you know, happening in the present moment. And then because I'm on the board of Luther Seminary in St. Paul, I got a little education on what's happening with giving and the outlook for the future. I'm a baby boomer and we have quite a lot of resources. As the years go by, that doesn't look like it will be as much the case. Each generation, it looks like, in fact, has less resources than we do. 
and um, I have 26-year-old daughters who graduated from college a few years ago. I was able to help them graduate without much debt, but many of their classmates have a lot of debt, and it will be a struggle for them as they're trying to get started and trying to save money to buy a house and be paying off their debt, and it's going to be hard for them to be generous. So when I look down the line, I have to say, if I can give in such a way that it will be making a difference when resources might be just a little more scarce, I want to do that. So um, that's why I made that choice. Looking down down the road at uh, generations that won't have the ability to give what I can, um, I should not be just worrying about giving now, but also trying to make a difference. When agencies' needs will be big, just as they are now, but I won't be there in person to do this, so giving down the line means making a difference into the future. And I'd, I'd encourage anybody else to think through that too and to say, um, not just can I support something that I can see and hear right now, but trust that there will be a need in the future and if I can help meet that need, I, I think that's a good move, good thing to do. So. Thank you for sharing that and for being part again of our circle of hope and all the things you do. I, I it was great as you were sharing that that the happy birthday broke out right. the background, uh, <laughs> yeah. at the table behind us. So I just feel like there's some you know poetic residence. Yeah, there, right. Definitely. Um, so but glad you are such a gift to us. So thank you. Well, thank you. And, well, thank thank you. you so much, Lad. Appreciate all that you've done, and uh, appreciate that you, oh, thank you have the desire to continue supporting the agency oh, now and in you. the future. Thank you. So thank you. Any partnership I can make with this agency is just a privilege to be able to be doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.